Hey guys, Michael here with Wedding Videography School. If you're looking for a solid and reliable contract that you can feel good about sending to your clients, look no further than the WVS contract, crafted by a licensed attorney in the state of Colorado. It might just be the best contract for wedding videographers in all of North America, or even maybe the world. Uh, hard to know. Regardless, if you're unsure of whether the contract you're using right now is good enough, go to WeddingVideographySchool.com right now, enter the password podcast, and start protecting yourself and your business today. Hey guys, Michael here with WeddingVideographySchool.com. Hope you guys are having a great day. I know I am. Oh man, what a week. What a week. Uh, Just going to jump into the show real quick today. Uh, Kind of an abbreviated episode headed into the weekend. Um, Man, I got to say, so there's this thing that's been going on that I actually didn't know was really a thing until kind of over the last year, I started getting these messages from uh, potential clients who were informing me that the wedding videographers that they had booked for their weddings were canceling on them, you know, sometimes just days um, and oftentimes just weeks or maybe a couple months out from the wedding and basically telling these couples that, um, yeah, I can't shoot your wedding because a better wedding came along, right? Like backing out of their deal to shoot one wedding so that they could take on maybe a more expensive wedding. Um, one of the last emails I got was from a a potential client who got in touch with me, um, because her videographer bailed so that he could go shoot like an Indian wedding in Florida. And I like, it really wasn't until this year that I realized that this is a thing because I've gotten multiple emails like this from other individuals. And I got to say, I'm, this is really just my opinion, but I think it's really bad business. Like, I, I I, hear about this and I'm like, who are these people that are like bailing on clients that they have contracts with? The first thing that I think when I hear about this is like, uh, it's not going to end well for the videographer. Maybe in the very short term it will, but eventually you're going to be seen as unreliable if you're bailing on people who you have contracts with. Um, that's just my opinion. I, I would never do that. And listen, I've been, I know what it's like to book a client and then find out that, you know, like three weeks later, somebody with a way better wedding at a way better venue with a way bigger budget, they want to book me. Um, that I'm always bummed out when that happens, but I don't cancel on the client who already booked me to go do the better wedding. I just don't do it because I think it's really bad business. You're basically signaling to everyone around you that you're not reliable. And eventually it's going to get to the point where people are going to leave a Google review on you and they're going to say he backed out right before the wedding to go shoot a, another wedding. So, you know, and higher end clients, when they see something like that or they find out, 
and you'll be surprised what people will find out. When people find out that you're bailing on weddings to go shoot a better one, um, you know, where does that end? You might book a $10,000 wedding. You know, somebody might book a $10,000 wedding with you and then bail on you or, and then you bail on them because you, oh, I found an $11,000 wedding I want to shoot. Like, it's just not going to end well for that videographer. So I'm really like disheartened to hear about this kind of stuff going on. I think it's, uh, I think it's really bad for the wedding videography community. I think it makes us all look kind of, um, unreliable. Like it casts this kind of shadow across, uh, the whole industry when, when people go and do this. And I know it's more than one person doing it. Um, and here's, here's the other thing. I have been affected by this in a more direct way, which is I've had second shooter videographers that I've booked um, for a certain date, and then they've canceled on me, citing that they booked a wedding for that date. And that drives me totally insane because um, whenever, I mean, listen, and I'm, here's the, here's the deal. I'm not going to complain about other people if I'm, you know, I'm not going to, I practice what I preach is essentially what I'm trying to say. And there's been many a time where I booked a second shooting gig for somebody for like 300 bucks and they were my friend and I was going to help them out. And I got in, you know, two or three wedding inquiries for that day that I turned down. Now you might say, well, that's crazy. Why would you turn those down? You could obviously make way more money because it's not for me. I'm playing the long-term game here. For me, it's not about short-term money. For me, it's about long-term money. It's about my uh, reputation. It's about, um, you know, when I say I'm going to do something, I do it, right? We've talked about that on this podcast before that it's so important that when you say you're going to do something, um, that your word means something. Uh, I think we've kind of gotten away from that lately in society where it's like, oh, well, you get, you need a contract. And I, I preach this too. You, you have to have a contract. But in a lot of ways, it's kind of sad that you have to have a contract for everything. Like I miss the days where you could just shake somebody's hand and be like, hey, I'll see you on Saturday. I'll be there. Um, and then you'd show up and everything would be good. Um, yeah. It. Ugh, God, I got this email like three days ago and it's just been on my mind since. So I wanted to talk to you guys about it and, uh, just throw out my opinion. I'd love to hear what you guys think. Uh, you could sh- hit me up. I almost said shit me up. <laughs> I guess you could do that too. Whatever that means. Uh, at Michael at wedding videography school.com. Almost forgot my own email address. Um, wanted to also answer a quick question, uh, that I got in my inbox this week. Here we go. This is about editing setup. Um, do you edit in house or do you have an office space away from your home? So, yeah, I, I I've probably talked about this before. I work from home and I do not. Um, I'm not a fan of renting an office space. I think if you have access to a space outside of your house, that's great. I think it would be kind of awesome for me to be able to at least go through the motions of getting dressed in the morning and going off to work and kind of separating work from where I live. That would be kind of nice. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't spend the money to, uh, to just rent a place when I could just sit in a room in my house and edit. Um, 
it, you know, you're just, I, I think it's a waste of money personally, so I don't do it. Um, this person also wants to know what I edit on. Um, they have an Acer Aspire laptop with a decently sized interface, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I, listen, I'm editing on a 2010 iMac, um, uh, 27 inch. I think it has like 12 gigs of RAM. I think you could only get it to 16 gigs of RAM back then. And I know that I can't install the very, I think the newest OS as of this recording for Mac is like Mojave or Mojave. I think that's how you say it. Uh, I can't install that new... This is the first time I won't be able to install a new operating system, the latest one, because my computer is becoming, I guess, obsolete. So, yeah, my computer is like 10 years old now. Um, so I'm probably not the best to ask about editing setup. Um, I I think most people could probably go out and buy a standard iMac today and add some RAM to it. Um, max out the RAM and probably be just fine editing most things. When you start getting into 4K and stuff, um, I I bet even the newest iMacs could probably edit 4K. Um, you'll probably still want to edit in like a proxy mode so you're not actually dealing with the full 4K resolution in your edit. Um, but I think that would suit people just fine. If you really wanted to go crazy and you're a Mac person like me, I, unfortunately, I can't really speak to the Windows folks out there, the PC people. Um, but if you're a Mac user like me, if you really wanted to go for it, just go out and get like a Mac um, Pro, um, that like black cylinder looking computer. Get one of those and hook it up to um, just like a decent editing monitor. Um, you can look up 10, like 10 best video editing monitors online and you'll find a bunch of different, um, opinions on that. What I like to do is I'll find like 10 articles that are kind of like, like that. And then I'll look across all 10 of them and then see which models keep popping up on those lists. Um, I think that's a good way to find a monitor. Um, yeah, I, uh, I don't have a whole lot to say about that. Um, this person, here we go. Let's see. Uh, they are thinking they want a bigger screen, a dual monitor setup, maybe the way to go. Yeah, I have actually been thinking about getting a new computer just because mine is getting to, you know, be kind of old and not really keeping up with the demands um, of today. So I'm thinking about taking my old computer and putting it next to my new computer and making my old computer basically the computer that I email on and I do all my office kind of administrative stuff. Um, that way I can leave a bunch of windows open on there. Um, I can pull up, you know, if I want to pull up YouTube TV or something, I can do that and have that in the background or whatever, and then just have my main computer um, that I just basically edit and work on. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, all my administrative office kind of tasks and emails and stuff could be on the other computer. Um, I think that I think that's probably the way that I'm going to go. But this stuff is really so personal. When you start talking about setups and stuff, um, you know, it, it's really, really personal to, to whoever. So find what works for you. If, if you want to do a dual setup so that you can have your source monitor and Premiere Pro on one screen and edit the timeline and another screen that's 
that's fine. I think that seems like kind of, to me, like, and that's how, you know, what I said, this is a personal thing. It really is. Cause to me, that seems like a total waste of space, but to somebody else, um, that might not be right. So it's really whatever you feel. Um, so yeah, just, just make it so that you're comfortable because at the end of the day, you're the one who's going to be sitting in that chair, um, editing and staring at those screens. So I say, make it as comfortable as you can. And, um, Maybe even consider getting a standing desk as well. One of those desks that you can either sit or stand at, um, like one of those very desks or something. I know they're not the most attractive looking desks, which is kind of a bummer because I'm super into aesthetics and how things look. Um, but yeah, they're way better for your health, I think, to be to be at least standing for part of the day. Um, so consider consider a setup like that as well. All right, guys, uh, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, Leave a review, um, tell a friend, all that good stuff. And if you're in need of a wedding uh, videography contract, um, because, you know, unfortunately, we can't just shake hands anymore, uh, go to weddingvideographyschool.com slash contract, and you can pick one up there. Until next time, guys, later. Hey guys, this episode of Wedding Videography School is brought to you by Photographers Wearing Wide Brim Hats. Uh, Photographers Wearing Wide Brim Hats is the nation's number one wedding photography company, and for good reason. Uh, They are clearly the most creative, most unique uh, individuals out there, and their photography is so creative, I can't even begin to describe how creative it is. That's how creative it is. If you guys are working with photographers who aren't wearing wide brim hats, then you're probably not working with the best photographers out there. So, um, you know, whether you're having a wedding, a birthday party, uh, or you're taking your kids to school, or you're hanging out at home, or going to the bathroom, you know, all things that you want photographed creatively, um, it should be done by photographers wearing wide brim hats. A lot of you guys, I know you're working with photographers who aren't wearing wide brim hats. They might not be wearing hats at all. And um, that's a problem. If they're not wearing a wide brim hat, I don't know what the point of them even picking up a camera is. But when you work with photographers wearing wide brim hats, you know that you're always getting someone who's going to uh, give you the most incredible shots that you could imagine. So for your next event, whether it's a wedding, a birthday party, a family reunion, uh, your mom's pap smear, whatever the event, make sure that you hire photographers wearing wide brim hats um, to get the most creative still images captured, you know, one frame at a time. And that's what, that's what photography is. It's, you know, you hear the click, click, and you know you got one frame. And then you hear another click. Sometimes you hear eight clicks in a row, like click, 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 click. Uh, that, they just got eight pictures. And maybe one of them is good. Probably not. But the photographer wearing a wide brim hat, they are going to call those photos later on. 
and you know really really select the eight or six shots that they got from the entire day um, that they stood in front of the videographer to get and they're gonna they're gonna edit those down into something truly magical probably um, probably just two eight by tens that you can put in the living room next to the closet door so give photographers with wide brim hats a call today and book them for your next event